This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is The Power of Conviction. It is part of Module 19, Evangelism. I'm so excited to share with you on sharing the good news. You know, uh, sometimes when you think of the word evangelism, we think of somebody standing on a street corner and shouting out and nobody else listening, people just passing by. But part of Christianity, part of who we are, is to be able to share our conviction and share what we believe and share who we are in relationship with. So we looked at, in the previous session, and uh, modules, we looked at the elements of the gospel because it's important what you believe. You know, uh, sometimes we get a prosperity gospel, a Christ gospel. Even Paul thought about it. He said, there's my gospel. And in Galatians, he said, there's some people, other people representing different gospels. So we need to know what we believe, especially in a time where we don't have a biblical worldview anymore. And many Christians even today, they're not sure as to what they believe. And so in this first session, we're going to talk about the power of conviction, uh, to live out of that space where we have boldness of the fact that we know that we're not just standing for the truth, but the truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you that question. What is your testimony? What is your story? Because it's very important that you not just become religious with God, but there's a place of intimacy. And so uh, the good news or the gospel is the announcement. It's the proclamation of who Christ is. You know, imagine I say today, yo, I have the cure for HIV and I announce it. Uh, or I have the cure for a pandemic or for COVID or whatever it is. <laughs> Suddenly people will rush because why? It's good news. And so every time we preach the gospel, it's not old news, it's good news. Jesus said it so many times. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent is that word metanoia. It's to have a different change of mind, of action and direction, 180 degrees. And let's bear fruit worthy of repentance. And that's what scripture says. You know, in Matthew 3, uh, John the Baptist said it. There must be fruit of that repentance. Otherwise, it's just been a little prayer. And yes, sometimes, especially in the West, we make the gospel a bit cheap. You know, We don't tell people the cost of the gospel. Because yes, we can know the gospel, but Jesus said it so many times, hey, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, you cannot have a part in me. But it's the greatest adventure. It's the most amazing thing to know that firstly, we are forgiven. Secondly, that we, that we are set free. We've, we've moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that's what the gospel is about, to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to declare the year of jubilee. The gospel is not just a little message we share. It's life to people. It's the fullness of Christ. And so we all know John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that He gave. But when it comes to this concept of conviction and evangelism, for many people, it feels like a massive burden. You know, what should I do? Should I take the Bible and throw it at people? Or I'm not maybe an extrovert, so I can't even talk to people. How should I share the gospel? And so what we start with is it is the basic task of discipleship. 
Yeah, in Matthew, at the end, it says, uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, that for everyone, we should go there for and make disciples. So it's not just about getting people to pray a little prayer. It's about discipleship. And part of that discipleship is to make disciple makers, not just to make disciples, but to make people that will make disciples. So the beautiful thing about the gospel is that a five-year-old can understand it and an 80-year-old can understand it. You know, And so let's not make it complicated. It is simple, but it's good news. You know, And uh, sometimes we're afraid because most of the times people say, well, I, I don't have all the knowledge but just tell people what Jesus means to you. That's where it starts. I love what Angus Buchan says. He says, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not maybe the greatest guy in the tool shed. You know, I'm not the, the greatest guy that knows everything. But the simplicity of the gospel is it will change people's lives. You know, and so, yes, not everyone is called to be an evangelist, to stand in the office of being an evangelist, but everyone, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, everyone must do the work of an evangelist. You know, I'm a pastor, so sometimes if I sit on the airplane and tell people, hey, I'm a pastor, then immediately, woo, all the walls go up, woo, all, you know, all the defenses go up, you know. But if you as a doctor and if you as a housewife, if you as maybe somebody cleaning a house, you can connect with people right there, live in their world, be in their world. And so, you know, most people come to Christ because of relational evangelism, because we build relationship. Not people don't walk to church and just walk into church and say, oh, look at this nice program. Or I hear the music, so let me go there to where the music is. No, they come because somebody invited them. And then when we present it, at church or at your workplace or maybe in that small group, wherever you are, that's where the gospel has to have its effect. And so it is really a source of joy and blessing. There's a scripture here in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. He says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news and happiness, who publishes salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. That's the ESV. Our God reigns. That's what the declaration is. When you come, you can see this picture of people walking over the mountain and declaring, our God reigns. But see, it must be your conviction. It must be out of your life. And so what is that thing that God has done in your life? Yeah, maybe it's not a Paul on Damascus Road experience. Maybe you just grew up in a Christian home. And you say, well, I didn't have that encounter with God that changed or transformed my life. But hey, there's fruit in your life and it's about relationship. So tell people about who Christ is in your life and, and live out of that place of conviction. Don't be afraid that you don't know enough. Don't be afraid of what people's opinion is going to be or what they're going to say. Because people, some people will reject the gospel. Some people will reject Christ. You know, there's a scripture that Jesus said he, he uh, did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. You know, some people are going to find the gospel offensive. Now, we should not be offensive. We should not put ourselves out there and, and you know, judge people in any way. We always share the truth in love. But when we share, know that sometimes we're just sowing a seed. 
Sometimes we're going to harvest. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to be in that moment. You know, the other day I was jogging and um, I, I'm not very spiritual when I jog. I just try to get to my destination. And so when I was jogging, uh, the Holy Spirit just said to me, hey, you must go and share the good news with this guy. And it was a young teenage guy, very well dressed, just walking past me. And I, I was sort of thinking, thinking like, no, 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 Lord, I'm sweaty. No, no, this is not the right time. We, you always think that it's not the right time. So, but then about a, a kilometer away, I thought like, sure, this conviction is so tense. I'm, I'm going to turn around. So I turned around, jogged back, and there he was still walking. And I said to him, young man, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want to just tell you that Jesus loves you. And you know, the next moment he just started weeping. Um, and he said he was on his way to commit suicide. He was on his way to take his life. But now he knows God exists. You know, it's it's so simple. But I believe every Christian has at least one opportunity per day to share the love of Christ with somebody. And so in relational evangelism and living in this place of conviction, yes, we see the boldness that the Holy Spirit brings. But sometimes it's so simple. It's just asking that person behind the teller, hey, how's your, how's your life? You know, uh, last night I was driving at, through McDonald's just buying a, a milkshake. And I asked the lady, what can I pray for you? And the moment I asked that question, she just was like her face was shining. And she said, look, I'm going through a troubling time. I am a Christian, but, but will you do this? And right there, we, we ministered to her, you know, because sometimes we think that evangelism and Christianity should op- only happen at church, at a church meeting. When I'm in small group, then I'm going to be religious because now I switch God on. But you cannot switch the Holy Spirit on and off. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is with us. And that's part of this great commission is where God says at the end, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Isn't that amazing? You know, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is with us and he's going to give us a boldness. You know, even somebody like Paul was very afraid. You know, when the angel appears to him in the book of Acts, he says, Paul, don't be afraid. Because why? Paul was afraid. And he said, but I will give words. I will put words in your mouth. You just speak it. I'm going to give you a boldness. I've, I've seen it so many times. I've, I've prayed for people and spoke in parliaments and been in places. And I think like, Lord, how on earth are we going to reach these people? And then God will give you an angle. God will give you strength. He will give you boldness. But hey, it takes a step of obedience. And so that's why it's so important that we realize we have the answer. We, it's not a, this big burden or this big, huge issue, but right where you are, just begin to ask questions. So I found one of the best ways to do evangelism is to ask questions, just very simple questions like, hey, why are you doing this? Or, hey, what, what's happening in your life? Ask questions that will direct towards the heart, not towards the head, because the head will just say yes or no. Yeah, We many times ask people and say, how are you, brother? No, I'm blessed. You know, Why are you blessed? See, immediately if you ask the why question, you you get to the root of the issue in people's lives. And that's why this first session when we talk about the power of conviction is because I know who God is and I live from that overflow. You know, that's why we need the Holy Spirit because in John 7, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to come and the waters of eternal life is going to spring up. It's going to become a fountain inside of you. You know, Christianity is not boring. (laughs) Christianity is real. 
because it's about a relationship. And so before we're going to live and live and read through our uh, basic key scripture, I want to say, you know, one of the things that is so important in sharing this relational gospel, living out of this place of conviction is for you to be authentic, be real. You know, I live with a lot of young people and minister to a lot of students and teenagers. And the one thing that this next generation really needs is for you and me to be real. Don't try to be Jesus' PR. <laughs> Don't try to say, oh, oh, I'm the best and Christianity is always the most amazing thing. No, because sometimes Christianity is tough. The cost of discipleship is huge. And we're going to talk about that in the next session. You know, that sometimes through suffering, sometimes through being real, sharing out of your brokenness and your vulnerability, not sharing out of the place of, I, I know everything and I've arrived. You know, that's why your testimony is so important because your testimony consists of three parts. What was my life before I came to know Christ? How did I actually meet him? And then what happened afterwards? Not just how bad my life was, but how did he transform me into his life and into his light. And that's the invitation. You know, people can deny the Bible and say, I don't believe in the Bible anymore, but they cannot deny Christ in you. They cannot deny you becoming the word made flesh. And we're going to talk about that in the last session. So if I have the cure for AIDS, then I'm going to be bold about this. I'm, I'm going to share and say, hey, the, the problem, the reason why the world is in such a mess, it's a sin problem. <laughs> it's because they do not know God. And so the invitation is not just to say, oh, the judgment of God. We don't preach the gospel to get people into heaven. We preach the gospel to set people free right here. And part of that gospel is healing and deliverance and all the other things. It's, it's an and. It's not just preach the gospel or it's a and heal the sick and set the captives free. So it's so beautiful that we can see the signs and wonders that will follow us when we preach, but we need a preacher. <laughs> we can't just say, well, it's a private matter. Well, it's just, you know, I'm going to just live my life before God. And then maybe some way people are going to see the fruit on my life. No, Paul writes it and he says, how can they know if they don't hear, if there's not a preacher of the gospel, you have to share why your life is a good life. Why? It's, you're struggling sometimes. So there's going to be good times and bad times, but be vulnerable. Be real in sharing your life because it comes out of your conviction. When you know where you're going, whoa, lots of people will start to listen. Lots of people will open up their hearts for that. But obviously, we're always going to do it in love. Why? Because we love people. If you're in love with somebody, maybe I can, before we read this, this key passage, I remember when I fell in love with my wife. Oh, you know, we would make tea and, and I made the tea and I would forget to actually boil the water. And halfway through drinking the tea, I realized like, whoa, machantas, you know, <laughs> I never boiled the water. You know, and you think like, oh, it is so stupid. But hey, you know, it was the nicest tea ever, you know, because <laughs> you stare in each other's eyes, you're in love. Yeah, and everybody around you can see that. The problem just with the church is, are we really in love with Christ? Because the church in the West is not sharing, not showing the world who he is. Because Jesus said, hey, we are the salt, we are the light. And so if you're in love, do you know what? You're going to share, you're going to show 
the world that you're in love because people can see you even walk differently you behave differently sometimes you people stop eating you know because they're so in love they're just living on water and just like oh the words and you talk for hours with that person <laughs> right through the night and then if somebody asks you what did you say you say well i can't really remember but it was amazing you know <laughs> why because you spent time with that person that you're in love with and so when we spend time with god the reaction or the response to that is the whole world will know. We are the salt. We're not trying to be the salt. And you know, salt was used as a, a way of preserving. Uh, salt was adding flavor, but salt made people thirsty. Because hey, we're not the water, but we are gonna make people thirsty to run to Christ. Because people will ask like, what must we do to be saved? Because you've got something that I don't have. And so that's the invitation that the church would be the salt and the light. Because Jesus said, if we are not the salt and the light and we don't live out of that place of conviction, we will be thrown outside and trampled underfoot by men. I think that's why the church is so irrelevant today and the church has lost its voice. Why? Because the world is just walking over it. We have to get back to our saltiness. <laughs> we have to stir up that salt shaker. Don't stay in the salt shaker, throw it out, you know? Because then that meat is so nice, you know, otherwise it's just bland. Don't be a bland Christian, you know, live out, out of that space, out of the room, out of the place where God has placed you. So our key Bible verse, I'm going to read it for us. And it's quite a long verse. It's about the first church in the book of Acts. And it's, it's just beautiful when we're going to look at and discuss the different elements and different things of how things operated and what they said the sermon, uh, it's just so beautiful. It was a, it was a testimony, a testament. It, it many times just stood up and said, this is who Christ is. And part of that was the resurrection. Part of it was the working of the Holy Spirit. It is so amazing when there's such a boldness. So don't try to do it in your own strength. Do it with the Holy Spirit because we are co-laborers with Him. Jesus said, hey, the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Because, hey, we need to become laborers. We need to learn how to do that. And we're going to keep on talking about that. So let's, let's read here in our key Bible passage in Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed him, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and not full knowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because... 
because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to aids, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make, full, make, make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven's into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Though those who received his word were baptized and they were added that, that day about 3,000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. What an amazing scripture of this sermon of <laughs> this disciples. Yeah, and um, I love this word witness, yeah, to witness. Acts 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, not do witnessing, because we can have a lot of different ways of witnessing. But firstly, you are, be a witness, be a son of God, be a daughter of God. He says, I'm a witness, it's, I've, I've a first-hand account. If you stand up in a court and you say, I am a witness, you say, I've been there on this scene. I've, I saw what happened on this crime scene and I can tell you the facts. I can tell you it's not, it's not a third-hand story. It's not a, a rumor. I've been there. I've been a witness. And so God calls us to be witnesses. And this is what these guys did. They stood up and said, I'm a witness to Christ. I'm a witness to his resurrection. I'm a witness to the crucifixion of Christ. And they all died a martyr's death. That word for witness is actually the word martyr. It comes, the same word martyr comes from it because they laid down their lives. All of these apostles, yeah, they died, oh, a terrible death. Some of them got crucified upside down. John, they couldn't bury or die. They tried to boil him in oil and eventually put him in Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelations. You know, these guys were witnesses. They bore evidence of who Christ was. And they were convinced because they lived out of conviction. They lived out of a boldness to realize, hey, we have one opportunity. We have one life. Let's be obedient 
to that call of Christ in our lives. And as we're going to discuss things, as we're going to work through this, let's ask the Holy Spirit for a boldness. And so I want to pray for that boldness for us in this first session. Uh, because hey, it's not about the method. It's about bringing the fullness of Christ into a broken world, into a dying world. So let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the freedom we have to preach the gospel. What a privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. And Lord, we just say, here we are, send us. Like Isaiah said, Lord, use us. Lord, send us to a place even out of our comfort zones. Lord, we deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we want to follow you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible School handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.